live and in color. Good morning, Welcome. Jack. Welcome yes. to the Bourbon Four Show. Hello. Good morning. Um, when you see someone, whether or not it's a certain time of day, do you always say the exact same thing? Like, so to me, no matter what time of day, and I think I started this because during COVID I was running a lot and like I'd run past someone and it would mostly be the morning. I'd say good morning. And then it would be the afternoon, but I'd still say good morning. And then at night it'd still be good morning just because it became so like muscle memory, I guess like that. Like, yeah, do you, happens to me. yeah. do you say, what, what is your go-to phrase? Well, when I'm running, it's always good morning. So then when I run in the afternoon or the evening, then I'm always, I still say good morning. So, uh, yeah, follow the same, <laughs> same as you old habits you, die hard. You think that's a bad thing or just like deal with it? Like, do you, or do you, what do you think that people think when like you say good morning and it's seven o'clock and you're at the grocery store, but it's PM and they're like, well, he must work, uh, you know, overnights or something. Like, do you think it's something like that? I don't know. I, um, I don't know. I mean, the longer, as you know, the longer that runs, the more fatigued you, uh, your, your brain gets as well. So I just keep on going. I really don't think too much of it, but Sometimes I wonder, like, do you th I wonder if the people are wondering, oh, did he start this run in the morning and now it's the afternoon? Wow, right. that's impressive. <laughs> I, yeah, when I would do some, uh, when I would do like my 20 milers or whatever in preparation for a marathon, like I would see people in my neighborhood, they would be on their way out. I would see them go, go back home mm. and then I would see them go back out again and then I would see them come back home. Yeah, you know, and this is like a, a three three hour yeah, uh, yeah, run, you know, and they were like, what that they, they would, everybody would think I was crazy. Cause like, well, I think if someone, I think when people think of a run, they think 30 minutes, probably, you know, I'm going to go yeah. on a quick three mile through 30 right. minute run. And that's it. Speaking of runs. Um, I was talking to Jake Maines the other day. He just ran a hundred miles. I don't know if you saw that from Kerala yeah. to Hatteras. Yep. And he's now trying to figure out like what's something else that he wants to do. And he saw this other person that um, says uh, seven days, 10 miles a day, um, so you run 10 miles for seven straight days. You run basically five miles every single day, about 40 miles a week and half for a long, long period of time. Do yeah. you think doubling that for you would be trouble or do you think that would be fairly simple at this point? No, I mean, so like, uh, yeah, I, as you know, the last thing I need in my life is another streak, but, uh, well, it's only seven it, days. So I know, but my, that's my thing. Like right now, I think that I don't I, most of mo just about every day this year, I've done six, um, and, and I told myself I was going to scale back and it's, it's, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, no, but, but to answer your question, um, do you no, think it would be hard doubling that number at this point? Or do you think you have enough built in? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think at that point it's just mental. There you go. I, I told him and I'd ask you and I, and, I, and whenever I have these like, crazy thoughts i'm like i'm gonna ask them on the show so that it's recorded and just in case it's a wild answer you never know what's gonna happen yeah howard do you how, do you run at all do you what when you think of a run how long is a run a, a, a run for you uh i don't really run that often i mean uh the closest i ever get to running is maybe biking but um usually like for like you know i can kind of get lost in it like an hour or so but um so yeah that's the most active when it comes to uh being out and about i think mostly biking there you go. Yeah, biking. There, there's a, yeah, that's how you doing on the bike, Zach? You enjoying getting out, getting back in the saddle? Um, okay, so fun fact. Uh, I rode a lot 
in 20 and 21 and 22, I rode a little, I started getting back on the bike, which is really just my indoor bike, which is really just my Peloton about three or four weeks ago. The other day I went to get on my other bike, my outside bike, where you got to clip in and it's, to me, it's very dangerous and scary and I do not feel comfortable on it whatsoever. So I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to get over that comfort. Obviously you got to ride through it and you just got to get, you know, I, I don't know. Dan Gerard would have some, some, some theory on you know, just get out there and pedal or something, but I don't know. Like I got on it the other day and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get comfortable on this thing. I don't know how I was so comfortable on it before. Like it is a scary thing being clipped into something that small and you know, a little movement and you're tipping over and, and we don't, are, we don't are you that, that, are you uh that hardcore Howard? Do you, do you uh, clip in or you just go out there and do some, do some pedaling? I, I commend you for trying. Um, I, actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so, so scary. So scary. But, um, no, actually, uh, I've been trying to do some, some biking groups that are down here. Um, so I think it's a good way. It's like community. So you ride around with some other people. Um, it's not so serious. You don't go so fast, but, um, but it's cool though. I, I would definitely do that. Cause sometimes like, uh, if you're not much of a biker, like you, you don't find those moments where you're biking and you're just in it. Um, it's like a way to socialize and also kind of see a, see a city so, or see your space. So like we, um, there's one that's out of this bike shop. Um, I want to think it's called neighborhood bike shop. I forget. Um, but like they do like every Wednesday. It's really cool though. Like you get so many interesting people that. The one on Collie Avenue? Is it on Collie? It's right over by that food line. Um, yeah. Geez, let me, you know. I'm here. I'm never look up. But um, but yeah, it's so dope. Like all these different people come out, especially like when it starts to get warmer, man. You get like like you get everywhere from like 18 year olds to just like old people. Um, it's pretty fun. I think that's good as like uh, not just a, a way to network and meet new people, but a good way to unwind and get yourself out of the business aspect because. It, and maybe you're there with business people and talk business. I guess that's that, that's a possibility. But it's good to 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 do something other than just be at work all day. And, and I know back in the day, I didn't do that. And I, I think that starting new things like that many moons ago was, was good for me. And I think that Tim would probably agree with it. And, yeah. and it, it's, it's good to do other things. And I think so many people, myself included, you know, we're in hustle culture for so long and it's like, it's okay to work hard, but like, you got to get out, of, of that world too and, and, and explore and, and do something different. Yeah. I heard a, uh, an interesting analogy Tuesday, just a couple of days ago. Um, and, and it, it's, it's the, the comparison that the world that we live in, you're like, you're, you're in the middle of a snow globe and yeah. So you shake it up and there's a snow flying all over and like just through the course of the day, that is really like, that's, there's so much, noise constantly going around you and you need to do something to just let everything settle clear your mind yeah and so a biking running just hanging out with friends whatever the case is that we're talking about here today allows you for that for that snow to kind of settle down clear your mind and then hmm. view things in a different way but thought I it was never, interesting. i will never look at a snow globe again uh the, the same way again yeah so you have to have, maybe yeah. maybe it's the you have to have fun first. Oh, there you go. I like that. Um, we're get, we're yeah, man, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> I like them. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, uh, but real quick, I was gonna say, uh, 
ironically, you know, I mean, we go to work to live, right? But like one of the most common health issues uh, in a workplace is supposed to be chronic stress. So, um, so like, yeah, man, it's important to have that like work, work-life balance um, and yeah, and have fun first. Yeah. So, so Howard, you're the founder of Fun First. What talk about Fun First? What's uh, what is it? What are the origins? Lay it on us. Sure. Uh, so the sh- the shorter version of a of a epic saga um, is that uh, Fun First is an education technology company. Uh, mainly, we create softwares. I say softwares because they're all the softwares we're we're working on. But our cheapest accom- chief accomplishment is the development of a behavior intervention app, PBIS. Um, it's currently put on the run. Essentially, it's a digital school store. Uh, teachers are able to reward students for positive behaviors throughout the day with these digital coins. And then kids actually use these coins to redeem actual purchases. So this isn't like a point system where, you know, you, know, you get to pat yourself on the back. You actually make purchases. Um, the idea is to not only uh, help teachers with managing student behavior, but it's also to have kids learn the importance of being independent and fiscal literacy, the idea that like this is these are your tokens, you can do what you want, you can buy whatever's in the store. Um, and it kind of was a brainchild uh, that I had for a while um, working in schools, volunteering. Um, and uh, during COVID-19, I, you know, I, I lived in New York and we, we had that lockdown lockdown. So like, uh, was it like what they call what they eventually call lockdown white? We had like the you know, lockdown heavy. So I remember being, um, you know, about 23 hours that you're inside of your apartment. You had about an hour a day to go out and they took this very seriously. So if you were outside for too long and there were cops driving around, like, you know, they stop you to, you know, so uh, I just, all I had was the internet and some ideas. So I just kind of started, uh, you know, brainstorming uh, how to get some of these things developed. And this was one of the ideas that I had and I had time for, um, uh, and I just kind of, Pushed it forward and ever, you know, from there, you know, uh, moved down to Virginia and uh, worked with some school districts down here, getting it out, testing it out, and and now here we are. Um, we're in our third iteration, trying to make some of the changes that the teachers talked about and that the students wanted to see if we can come back and MVP. So, so, so real quick, did did you say you lived in like New York City? Is that what you said? Yes. Yep. I live in Harlem. And you were only allowed outside one hour a day. They were that strict about it. Like. I, I, yeah, I, and I, look, you guys, you guys know that I like anyone that's been listening to this show this entire time. I freaked out when COVID hit, but the fact that the pe- that they were telling people that you could not go outside and even walk or run or work out, but one hour a day, when this was a respiratory thing, that just seems very interesting. Now that we look back well, on it, it's like wow. I mean, for sure. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but like, like. I would definitely say that, so I remember being there and I remember how I even found out about COVID was a little bit before the, like, uh, I became, before it came, um, before it hit the news, right? I happened to be at, there was an art gallery. I was with there with, I was there with a friend and I overheard a woman talking about, there were these cases coming into the Bronx of people who they were giving all these different antibiotics to, trying to, trying to help them, but for some reason, nothing was working. And, you know, so you hear the murmurs of three years, you had heard murmurs, all oh, this, you know, we were due for a pandemic and, you know, I didn't really think much of it. And then it was just a cascading effect. They were like a guy and, you know, and uh, I forget what it was upstate. He had had it and they were like, he died. And then the next person, and, it, and then people just, they didn't know what was happening. Um, and like, there were people, I remember there were teachers, there were a few teachers that died or the principal that died. So it was one of those things where it was like this random, 
virus is like taking some people and then not taking people. And I remember you started to get those camps where people were like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, I had it the other day and I was, I was totally fine. And then you hear people who are like, oh yeah, like my dad died. And you're like, oh, so like some people are like, you know, going to just make it through this and some people aren't. And during that time, uh, the building that I lived in, I mean, one thing I could say about Harlem, I lived there long enough where you walk down the street, everyone knew you, even if you didn't know their name, everybody, hey, what's going on? You're the guy that's here at eight o'clock every day. Um, and I remember going out and all you would hear outside of paramedics every single day. I mean, there are paramedics, I remember up on the sidewalks, you walk outside, there's everywhere. Um, and like when we finally kind of started to get that, that hour of the time where you can kind of come out a little bit, um, you would see people and you just like there were faces that weren't there anymore. And then like the story was just like when you met somebody, re-met somebody after this like this time indoors, uh, you hear people's stories about like what's happening in their building. Um, so it was, I can definitely say it was crazy. I remember every day I was watching the news uh, at the time, uh, I think Cuomo was the mayor. So they had this thing where every day he would come on and he basically not for nothing kind of try to comfort the city and give us all the information. But I remember uh, they would have the helicopter view of, um, I forget what the name of that island is, but there's an island in Manhattan where a lot of people who, are, who die, who don't have family get buried. I think it's called Heart Island. And I remember the helicopters that were flying over Heart Island like, like every couple of days and you would just see the long rows of people being buried. All the, all the people who couldn't figure out who they were related to, so we buried them. Um, and I remember that was, like it was, it was, it was hard to believe that it wasn't so crazy elsewhere. Like that for a lot of people, even when it first happened, that was like definitely the end of the world. Well, that is crazy that. saying that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nuts, man. It was, it was really crazy. Mm. Crazy, crazy. Good, good thing yeah. we're on the other side <laughs> of the pandemic at this point. Yeah, 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 um, for sure. So, yeah, so you had the idea, and then. How did you how did how did you stumble on Virginia? Do you have ties with Virginia? Yeah, I had a, 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 my brother lives out here. Um, and okay. He lived here for forever, so I just kind of he gave me the invite and I took it. Very cool. What um, what what describe us like? What kind of things are on the uh, the digital store? Like uh, in terms of like, is there one? So it's K through twelve. Is there one, is there is a certain age group within the K through 12 system that kids really uh, that are really drawn to it? Uh, and like, what kind of things are, are people drawn to? That's a really good question. Uh, so the whole idea behind the, the, the concept behind the Fun First Act was to kind of like empower students to take the liberty of kind of regulating themselves, being more mindful, right? Rather than having to chastise them every time they did something wrong, the idea was let's start to support them every time they do something right. And then give them the independence to make a decision as to what they want to do with the coins that they have, right? So uh, each school is kind of tailored for their students. The idea is as teachers, as educators, you want to get a good idea of that, like, what are your students into? Um, and I find that and initially when we first did this, I swore that I was going to have to like put these packages together to kind of like, you know, sell to schools. But what we found is that each school was different. Um, of the of the interesting things that have made it in the store, right? So of like the thoughtful things, right? We have some teachers that'll put like a one-on-one pizza time. Cool, that's fun. Uh, one school they were doing Kroger gift cards. Uh, Kroger kind of lined up with them, and um, and they were able to get some gift cards for a good price. And that that was a high school, so the kids that would get those gift cards would use them to get gas. 
So like it became real, right? This is a real place to actually make actual purchases. Um, and just listening to the kids gives you a, an idea of what you can put in. Some of these things are they're low cost. Um, one school, they said that uh, they were having issues. They would take a test, they wouldn't do so well. And, you know, they didn't want their grades, you know, their GPAs to go down. So they wanted to do test retakes. So now you can, you know, you can earn coins to do test retakes. Um, one school pitched around the idea of like trying to put a certain amount of money away for um, students to be able to um, uh, pay for their SAT test, uh, uh, the SAT uh, cost. Right. So like, you know, one SAT uh, access pass, if you will. But um, it just became one of those things that just molds each and every one of the schools. But the idea is that whatever it is you put in there, you know, you got to honor it. Uh, when we give the coins out to students, the behavior that they that they exhibited, like like they they earned it. You can't take that back from them. And um, so it's, it's really cool. It's the, con- the conversation of dialogue. Between the teachers and students. Hey, um, have you ever watched the show The Wire? Uh, like a few episodes, yeah. Okay, so, and I know Tim has watched some of it, but in season four, it's basically about grooming the younger generation to be into the Baltimore streets, uh, into the into the drug streets. And what's interesting is they, they're in school at this time, and these kids, a lot of them, well, I'd say some of them are really, really well-behaved and just kind of a part of the atmosphere, and then some of them are really, really bad-behaved. Where, where do you, uh, and so when I first heard of uh, of, of your company, I was watching Wire at the time, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I was on the education side, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder if it's for the super, super, like, misbehaved kids, or it, 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 is it for every one of the kids? Like, wh- where do you see the sweet spot in there? Because I'm sure that every teacher that I ever had thought I was the demon child, so uh, they probably would have loved something like this for me. But, like, wh- where do you see is that sweet spot for 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 the, the students um in there is is the super bad kids super misbehaved kids is this something that can fix it or where do you see that um that's a good question um so initially i didn't really design it with any uh particular um student in terms of their behavior in mind the idea was just like to see whether or not kids would choose a a path of self-regulation that's given the opportunity to be rewarded for positive behaviors um so it can be used on any student that's willing to participate. And that's that's the key. Um, like if you wanted to, I, I guess I always kind of like view like just like, like a little economy, right? Um, and, and just like our economy, there are going to be people who participate because it makes perfect sense to them. Um, and then there's going to be people who just don't want anything to do with it. Um, so I, I would imagine that would translate to schools as well. Uh, but the difference is, is that like, um, yeah, like kids bring in all types of, you know, trauma from home um, and they spend most of their time in school. So if, and if, if there was a place where most of the negative behaviors might come out, it's going to be the place they spend most of their time. Um, so the idea that there's some kids that are, that are, you know, that are worse than others, you know, to me is more of a reflection of the environment that they come from. I've seen kids, I mean, when we first launched this app, it was in uh, PS194 in Harlem. And um, you had, that was considered one of the, like, one of the, struggling schools, right? But I mean, I've been volunteering there for a while. I've met some of the families. Not everybody was the same. There were some people who really put as much effort as they could into making sure that their kids grew up right. And there were some people who didn't have the time. Uh, they both went to the same school. My issue was that um, in that classroom, um, the student that had had a little bit more support and maybe had a little, was a little, bit, a little bit more eager to learn um, was in a classroom with a student who didn't really have as much encouragement um but the education they were both given was affected by one of them so the idea was like 
could we support this student by maybe giving them a little bit more independence because maybe life has made them more independent, right? So um, I don't really think it's a matter of, uh, of like it working more so for one student than another. I think it's, it's, it's going to boil down to school culture. And I just want this application to be a part of that school culture. So, you know, when we talk to a school about like launching for the fall, the idea is like, like before we get to the fall, let's kind of figure out what this could look like. If this was something that everybody was using, like how would that look? If, if there's stuff in the store, you know, what do you want to put in there? Um, having brief conversations. I mean, I went to one school, sat down for like all of an hour and had like a list of things that kids wanted. And like half of that list was things that you could give them for free. It was just certain mm. privileges that they can't have because they're students. Um, so like the text retake, right? They have no control of that, but yet you do. It costs you nothing to give a child the ability to take a test twice. Um, especially considering that in order to get the coins to take the test twice, they had to, you know, be positive. They had to use positive behavior. So I think that like an ecosystem like that could work really well with creating a school culture. Um, and I think that that can translate to a lot of different schools. Again, I've seen kids that came from all types of backgrounds um, and I've seen them, you know, on any range of, uh, of behaviors, right? I mean, there are kids who struggle at home to come into school and this is their escape. So, you know, just trying to talk to them, just try to see what's on their minds, what they like, what they're passionate about, and, um, and how we can help. There's some interesting studies on kids taking tests multiple times as a learning strategy and mm -hmm. how it's frowned upon, but how it really helps them learn a lot more and positive. So it, it's interesting that incentivizing that is, is, a, is an option in there. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I guess a lot of Montessori, uh, Montessori schools, is that what they're called, are big into that. Like if you don't do well on a test or you, you know you want to improve that, you, you keep taking that test until you get the score that you want. And it's just status quo. It's cool. It's whatever. Um, but I guess in public schools, it's not. Um, but it is, can you imagine like just having a bad day, doing bad on a test? And then that's the reason you got, you know, a C that year instead of an A. Like it's, that's an interesting um, incentive in there. And so it'd be cool to see um, schools adopt that. Do you see that it's an entire school system or, or an entire school at a time? Is it a classroom based? Like oh, if, you know, Mrs. Peggy wants to do it, but Mr. Lane doesn't, is that okay in the same school? Like where, where do you see the, the actual acceptance of, of this coming school-based, classroom-based, where, where is that? I would imagine it'd be, uh, that would change by district. And I mean, that's kind of the fun part of the whole, uh, this whole customer discovery is trying to figure out, you know, is there a one-size-fits-all? I, I would wager to guess that the answer is no. Um, I think that there are districts that get, you know, they are supported, you know, and they have leadership that supports each and every school. Um, one thing I can say is, uh, so PBS, positive behavior, uh, intervention strategies, uh, in general, there's two camps. There's people who think it's the greatest thing on earth. There's people who think it's the worst thing you could possibly do. Um, but it looks like overall, it does save school money having some sort of implementation of PBIS and things become more mindful. Um, it, it, it saves time, you know, about 50% of classroom time is spent managing classroom behaviors according to some studies. Right. So, you know, when you start thinking about teachers being burnt out, when you start thinking about students kind of creating an, students operating in an atmosphere that won't help them learn moving forward and then getting to the end of the year and trying to figure out, well, how do we like the decisions now that we pass these kids or not? So I don't think that this app currently could just solve all that. But I think that like, there is something to be said about normality 
you know, having norms inside of schools, inside of classrooms that translate all across the board that uh, make it easier for students to understand what, what like what's accepted behavior and what isn't. Um, I also feel like, uh, you know, kids are experiential learners. So like, um, you know, a lot of what they do they, is, is, is through the, their experiences with other students and with teachers. Um, so I feel like creating a culture where students know what, you know, what, be, what behaviors they're supposed to do in classes makes it easier for students that do want to, you know, achieve to, uh, to accent. And I mean, obviously you're always going to have outliers. Uh, one of the advantages of using the app, um, I would say, uh, real quick uh, plug for, for the app is that um, teachers can use it using their uh, their classroom on whiteboards. And it's really important in being able to create a visual as to what's going on in the classroom and then kind of like using um, like peer strategies, like the ability to have other students in the classroom who are working really hard and being, uh, and being documented and then being seeing all these other students that are doing well and then choosing to be more mindful like they are because I can benefit like they do. Um, so the idea is uh, be very visual with what you're doing when it comes to working with your, with your classrooms, uh, with your students. Um, yeah, hopefully it works. <laughs> Well, to me, it seems like it's like a no brainer to me, like the whole world um, is educated through positive reinforcement. And, and as I'm listening to you talk, I'm just trying to think other than schools, is there anything like school is like the one place that there is really not any positive reinforcement. And it, like, so when the kids don't behave, it's like, oh, guess what? You're now on some sort of prescription drug so that you will behave or you will listen. So I I would love to see the success that you have with with fun first that with positive reinforcement that you could almost you could like are there any people that are like borderline about to be prescribed some sort of medication during school that then through positive reinforcement and, and working towards that that they no longer even need the medication. We didn't have that stuff when we were we were growing up. Uh, you know, you just, it just wasn't part of society. Sure. I mean, like, positive reinforcement supports growth, you know, um, it promotes a sense of uh, self-efficacy. Um, it's important that kids, especially in elementary school, have those kind of supports. Um, you know, kids want to be proficient. They want to they be good at something. And um, they, you know, at, you sit down and ask the kid why it's important for them to go to school. I mean, I don't know how many kids would be able to tell you what they anticipate to get in the future from going to school today. Um, the idea is that we're trying to create these behaviors that will ultimately, like, be advantageous to them in the future. But again, you know, they don't really have a concept of the future. They're more on the now. Um, but I think that it's, it's really important. I mean, you, you go to work because of the positive reinforcement of going to your job. If you didn't like it, it might be the paycheck, right? Or if you love your job, it might just be the, the act of going and being around people that you care about or, you know, being at a job that you enjoy doing, right? And like, this kids to some degree, like school is a job for some kids. Like they have to go to this place. They don't quite know why. Some kids, uh, you know, they, they have a good time there. And the idea is that like, yeah, I mean, when they stumble and they fall and they, and they do all the things we did when we were growing up, um, how do you reinforce them um, when they do the things that they're supposed to do? Um, but again, they're, they're going to be people who are going to argue against it. Um, there's always someone. But uh, I, I think that it's worth, uh, we want to support schools by allowing them to try the app out for free, for instance. Um, try a classroom, see if it works in a classroom. If it doesn't work for a classroom, it's not for you. Um, if you do see some success and they consider, you know, consider using it for your school. 
what would be what what are some of the uh, arguments that you're hearing against your platform? Um, no arguments at the moment. A lot of like right now we're at a point where we're getting more comparisons than we are getting the arguments against it. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are people who do believe that positive that that like promoting positive behavior or um, I would imagine giving something for a positive behavior creates an environment where students believe that they're supposed to be rewarded, rewarded for good deeds. And if they don't do good deeds, they don't get rewarded. They have no incentive to do it. Um, but again, I think it boils down to school culture um, because mm -hmm. the art, that argument can be made for our society, right? Like, oh, well, I, you know, if, do every single one of us within our society decide that because today we can't get what we want, we're just gonna turn up? Probably not. You know, like if, if there's outliers, there'll always be outliers. But I think ultimately, um, choosing to reward a student for something positive. And again, you decide what's positive. So positive isn't every time a student sits in their seat, they get a coin. Um, usually under PBIS, there like might be an acronym that they use, maybe four letters that represent four words. And those are four uh, behaviors that we're looking for every single day, right? And if I say uh, positivity is one of those, uh, those behaviors, anything can be positive, right? I can choose to give a coin anytime I want based on positivity. Um, I can remind a student that they could not get a coin today because they're not being positive. I can say, you know what, well, let's try tomorrow. There's a number of different techniques that come with using the PBIS, uh, but it's just a matter of being informed. So that's our goal. Our goal is to create a platform that supports teachers and then inform teachers on how to use it. And then hopefully we can see some changes in classrooms. This is the first business you've ever created? Uh, no, um, I, before we were doing fun first as a, uh, education technology company, um, we were a subcontractor in New York city for, uh, enrichment programming for schools. So essentially, uh, this was a, a interesting point, but at one point in time, about 54% of students in, uh, in New York city were either considered obese or overweight. Um, and a lot of it was because they were prioritizing, you know, uh, like the, the, they were prioritizing certain curriculum over others. Specifically, you start to see neglect in physical fitness. It wasn't considered, uh, uh, you know, very academic. Um, but, you know, then of course, all the science came out showing the correlation between like physical fitness and cognitive ability. And uh, then you start having these schools wanting to get back on this, this like we need to get these kids in shape. So we became a subcontractor and we would, uh, we would do programming for schools that didn't have access to gym. It's a, it's amazing the uh, the studies that are coming out um, the correlation between physical fitness and the ability to learn and how uh, you know, the the impacts it has on your brain it's it's really uh, it's fascinating stuff that why so do you think I, these schools take that stuff out though I mean it's like they get rid of arts they get rid of music they get rid of like physical fitness like it's like these things seem like common sense like you don't need science to or, tell you yeah. that like or or if you're or, sitting what, all day like what are they replacing that curriculum with i just figured they're making the classes longer hmm, i don't know i think that 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 might have been the case um i know that like you know if you're struggling school and you're, you're trying to raise literacy rates you know you might try to spend more time doing literacy programming or li li literacy uh enrichment and that obviously would come at a sacrifice of some other program so that might be it. I know in New York, uh, there were a lot. So in New York, you had a lot of traditional school buildings that housed more than one school. So a lot of charter schools were in New York. So I, I mean, I remember working at a school. It was a, it was one school that had three schools in it. So they would have to kind of like, you know, uh, figure out who had access to the gym when. But as you can imagine, you know, if, if you've got three schools in there, there's no way kids are getting gym every day. Um, one school I worked at, uh, 
they had an alcove, which was basically, you know, just a space between between um, one part of school, other part of school, and it was had these pillars, and we had to create games that could happen inside there that would get kids active. Um, so that was it was very specific to New York. I mean, when coming down here to Norfolk, like even though I would imagine the numbers might be similar in terms of kids being overweight and obese, uh, just because like a lot of kids are eating similar foods, uh, it, it just is not as much of a priority down here because kids do have access to gyms. Um, so it's not a, you know, it, it would it would be more of a more of a New York thing, I guess. What's the the typical day, school day? Six hours long, roughly. Eight uh, hours. It depends. It depends. But but six. Um, let's say let's just say six to eight hours, right? The yeah, fact that sure. like, I I never thought of this until whatever today's date is, you know, in twenty twenty three. Like, can you imagine today? I like as adults trying to learn six to eight hours a day, something like how absurd that sounds. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, I mean, maybe the system is flawed in that, or maybe kids can learn be, in that way, but it is kind of crazy to think of the education system as a way of six to eight hours of, of what, 48 weeks a year, five days a week of learning. Like that's pretty intense. Um, yeah. 12 to 16 years of your life if you go to college like that's a lot of learning like i mean how much is actually like retained in that like man i don't know maybe they need to go back to the drawing boards and really rethink the whole school system from that i'm just saying that out loud it just seems a little crazy six to eight hours a day yes i can watch a netflix show for six to eight hours a day but that's that's a little different i would i would assume well, I, just, yeah, I just i think what what howard is doing i mean to me it just it makes so much sense sure. um and, and I look back at when my kids went to school, uh, yeah, and the, rather than having something digitally, they had they were rewarded with sticks. And when they received twenty five sticks, then that entitled them to ten minutes of extra recess or something like that. Again, you know, like how we're saying, some Three it doesn't things. cost them anything. Yeah. yeah, but but the positive reinforcement that they received, and they were really really serious. So like. If uh, the kids were walking down the hall and they were all in single file and they were quiet, they weren't disrupting or uh, anything like that, then a, a teacher would pass pass them a stick. You know, and it, but it was really really effective. And uh, there's leadership and team building in that as well. Yes, that at a young age is probably not taught, but team building because then you get all the classroom together, excited to do this thing collectively. Like you 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 see videos of that kind of stuff online, and it's just it's incredible to see and. How does uh, so? We do have many uh, many teachers that listen to this program. But what if if a school wants to jump on board? Uh, what's the onboarding process uh, for them to to participate in Fun First? Sure. Uh, right now, so right now we're kind of we're, we've been in beta testing for about a year and a half. Uh, there's some changes that we're going to be making over the summertime and with a you know big release for the fall. But um, any schools that would be interested can reach us and contact us at funfirst.org. Um, if they're interested in giving it a try, they have, you know, any school can is willing to, that's interested in it can get a free classroom started. Um, and you can test it out for yourself, see if it works, see if you like it. Um, I mean, we're all about trying to support teachers, giving them the tools necessary to make days easier, make classroom time spent on education and not so much management of behaviors. Um, so yeah, anyone's interested, you can also see us at uh, www.funfirst.org. 
um, to log in or to sign up for a, an account to log in. So, what's uh, what's your what's your background? Uh, do you have a passion for the kids, or is it for? Are you an educator by heart? What? Because uh, it seems like, yeah, you can tell that there is uh, there's a connection there. Where does that come from? Oh, for sure. Um, so my original background was in um, economics. So like a lot of the jobs that I took in from uh, from college until my adult well, yeah my adult life were all like finance related so boring stuff so um, I always liked volunteering uh, when I was in school and uh, I went to school for a semester in Baltimore uh, before going to St John's and graduating and when I was down there it was a lot of like civic responsibility it was like a big part of like the Morgan State University um, so being there I volunteered a lot and I kind of just got like an itch for coming in and working with, and just it just kind of seeing how you could sit down with some kids and you could have a conversation and it meant so much to them that you did that. Uh, I, one thing I remember would take away, I went to one community center and um, you know, I didn't know what to do. They just gave me a bunch of kids. So uh, I basically was like, yeah, let's just do some like origami. I knew how to make cranes, right? Remember those cranes you could make out of paper? I, I knew how to do that. Uh, didn't think much of it, but it was enough to keep kids sitting down for a while trying to fold paper. But um, I remember coming back a week later and kids were coming up with all these different cranes in different sizes. Like they were like trying with this paper and this color. And then, you know, it kind of dawned on me like, you know, you, you taught them something. And again, it's folding paper. But the idea was that like, not only did you teach them something, these kids were, they then went home and decided to try to like recreate what you created, you know? Uh, and I was like, all right, well, what other ways, you know, it's always been on my Like, what are some other ways we can educate and teach kids? Um, there's a lot of lost potential and uh, some of these schools and some of these neighborhoods. And, um, you know, I think technology is a great way to equalize it. Uh, but you know, technology has to be taught. So um, some kids get it, some people, some kids don't. So a big part of what we want to do is like, it, it helps schools kind of utilize the technology. You mentioned that you're, that when your kids were in school, they would be given these sticks. That, that concept is, it's, uh, it's from, it's around the world, right? Like the concept of, uh, of having a school store um, and, you know, when you think about why it was important to do that, it's like you said, it showed leadership, it gave kids the ability to earn, uh, all, all, all qualities and, 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 and properties we want students or students to have as functioning adults, right? Like when they grow up, you want to like understand that there's times in which you express yourself, uh, you know, and there's, there's places in which you express yourself and there's places and times which you don't express yourself. Um, and, uh, just, you know, getting kids the idea of socializing. It's kind of uh, always been a passion line. Yeah, I mean, when you get uh, when kids when they get that hit of dopamine uh, when they're they earn that coin, I mean, it's just leverage that for the positive and for the good. I mean, it's just uh, I, I don't know. It just everything. It just it all makes too much sense to me. Listen, I hope that the school district agree with you. Uh, <laughs> we're definitely trying to, <laughs> trying to get some schools to sign up. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, it's just, um, you know, we didn't invent that idea. That idea has been out there. But, um, but you know, it's just a matter of making it more applicable to, to kids. I mean, you know, these kids are, are growing up with some of the technologies that we didn't have. I remember being back in school and, like, you know, a cell phone was something. It was like, uh, you you might have known somebody with a cell phone. like, But uh, now they're growing up and it's like, like you have elementary school kids going to school with, like, uh, in a super computer in their pocket and they don't know what to do with the other than play video games. It's like, oh, man, well, like, you know, let's, let's leverage that technology and see if there's a way we can kind of engage with them. So. You mentioned being in beta for a little over a year. What's holding you back mm -hmm. from taking it and just making it live to the world? Oh, 
Very good question. Um, so we've been bootstrapping this whole time. Uh, so those big companies out there, uh, venture capital, capital uh, you know, there's their seed funding and their Series A. We're like uh, just been um, me to some degree funding most of this. So this year is being spent as the year we're looking for funding, right? So we're trying to go behind the loop of the start. So, you know, BIRs, uh, RFPs, things of that nature. And then, you know, uh, we also, you know, kind of participate in a few accelerators that have like non-diluted funding. Um, and then, yeah, and, and bootstrapping. So that's really the biggest thing that kind of holds us back is uh, some of the changes that we want to make are, are, are big changes and it takes time. Um, so like just kind of funding along with, uh, with the changes that people request. But then by this fall, it'll all be done and uh, we'll be right where we need to be, which I think is perfect timing um, in all honesty. I think it had to grow the way. I, I mean, hearing what teachers had to say, hearing what students had to say, you know, letting the school have it for a year and just kind of being like, you know what, hands off, let's just see, let's, let's, let's see what this school does with it, let's see what they come up with. And then seeing those recipes and how it worked for certain schools was like really important understanding how the app could work for for, for my time in the future. Like there's conversations I have now with the school on how to use our platform that I couldn't have had a year ago because I just didn't have the data. So who's doing uh who who's doing all your development work for you? Are you doing that in-house or are you uh contracting that out? I'm a bit of A and bit of B. Some of it is in-house. Um, and then some of it, again, like when we have like a lot of coding that needs to be done, we, do, we have, we have a, a firm that we work with. Yeah, I think that, um, I don't know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that I think that schools, they're traditionally just so slow at adopting anything new. But it, it seems like there's some more freedom and flexibility that, that they're able to execute quicker. Um, I do think the teachers are just, they are unsung heroes uh, in this world. And it, just the amount of, I mean, gosh, I mean, they, they are producing the next generation of kids and they should be given the opportunity to have whatever tools they need to, to make that easier so that they can scale that ability. I just, I give so much credit to teachers. I mean, they, boy, and they love what they do. It, it really they really, really love what they do. It just, uh, my hat's off to them because I am not wired that way. Um, and the way that they're able to work with kids are interesting, man. They know, they know how to test the waters. They know what they can get away with. You know, they know how to take control of situations and to, to, to be able to neutralize this, uh, and neutralize may not even be the right word, but, Positive reinforcement is just, it's so, it's so key. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, they, they, they definitely could use the support and um, yeah, I mean, like volunteering. I mean, I don't know if you've ever like kind of just, if you've ever just been around a group of kids, like you, just for any prolonged period of time, you gotta, like next time you see a teacher, give them a hug and just like, listen, I totally, totally see what you go through on every day. Cause they, cause yeah, if you've ever been through uh, managing, 15, 20 different uh, personalities, you know, like it might be, it might be tiring for us to do people who don't teach. It might be tiring to do it for an hour, but you know, like you said, uh, eight hour day, six, eight hour day, trying to figure out like how to entertain, you know, 20, 25 kids. Um, but there, there is importance in what they do. Like, you know, like, like you said, they're the generation moving forward. Um, do you have a teacher that you think back to that kind of like inspired you to uh, want to learn or, or just like someone you remember, kind teacher. 
I, I was not a model student by any stretch. Um, but I give them a lot of credit for, for, for dealing with me. I, <laughs> I have grown to appreciate teachers, uh, especially having, watching my two kids go through uh, the entire school system and being more involved um, with different schools uh, as I do different volunteering things across the community. I will say uh, one of the most touching things in this area, it was, it was formed in Newport News as an achievable dream. I mean, they, what they do is incredible. I mean, I'd like, I was able to go through, uh, go through it and do a tour of the school. Uh, but every morning, every single student is greeted. Um, and it's either like police officers, firefighters, military, um, but they're greeted every single morning and, it, and it's teach it's start. So their day starts with that greeting but it, and it teaches them the soft skills to make eye contact, shake hands or fist bump now after uh, the, the pandemic. But it's also an opportunity for like the teachers to do like a, a morning check, make sure that everyone is, is good. Uh, you know, like from a well-being standpoint. Um, and it, it's, it's starting there and it's typically um, it's in the Southeast uh, section of Newport news. So uh, it, it's, there's a lot of crime. Um, and, and like, this is just giving these kids a chance. And I mean, it's just a lot of times they just need the chance. And I've gone back a couple of times since then. Um, but just to see what teachers and the passion that they have to, to, to give students a chance is really, really touching. Um, I love it. Hmm. So I, I haven't heard of the people with dream, but that sounds like a, a really dope way to kind of be introduced every day. Like it really, I'm time. telling you, they have a, they have a, an Academy in Virginia beach as well. But I mean, like, this is like, like they, they go a couple, they go early. Um, and when they go early, but like they have a, a morning assembly where they have like 19 or 17 different chants the mantras that they read out loud. You're like, I have to learn to earn, you know, I am somebody. I mean, it's just like for them to say, I am somebody, you are somebody, we are somebody. I mean, like, I think that all of society needs to be reminded that they are somebody because we tend to forget that. And, um, you know, just, just really placing the importance uh, upon themselves and them taking them taking control of their life. But then they also offer classes like conflict resolution, meditation and breathing. Uh, they have a, an etiquette class where like they teach like table settings and like the, the, the boys in the class, they pull out the chairs and push the chairs in for the, for the, for the girls in the class. I mean, it's just like, it is super, super cool. And um, that was something that was formed here in Newport news. And there's now, like I said, Virginia beach. And then there's uh, Henrico, there's uh a school there as well but so are they walking through like a like a football tunnel like with the cops and like yeah almost yeah almost and uh but yeah and it's just it's yeah it's 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 so touching I, I do remember a couple of uh, shockingly I do remember a couple of um teachers that um actually a few of them actually still somewhat in touch with over the years um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, a Spanish teacher of mine uh, was a swim coach of mine. Um, and then a shop teacher um, allowed me to like really do a lot more than the class was supposed to be. And so I don't know if inspiring is the right word, but like definitely believed in and gave me like 
those chances where I think other people are like, you know, I can't wait for this kid to get out of here. Like he is an absolute problem child. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, probably a good thing. Look, I grew up when, um, wrestling was going through the, what they called the attitude era. So you got your, the rock stone cold, you got DX doing all their immature moves all the time. And that's what I did all day in, in class, you know, and <laughs> sorry, you know, I, I, I don't think anyone who listens to the show should be shocked at that statement, but it, I mean, that's, that's what it is. And, you know, I fell in for it. And, you know, every teacher's worst nightmare is a kid that watches wrestling because if they start to do what they see on TV, all hell will break loose. And it did. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. And that, that literally was like, uh, I was like, when I was in school, I was the same thing. I actually had a conversation with someone not so long ago who was, who was actually 22 who apparently had the same thing. So apparently wrestling is just bad for students to be watching. I, I but, think um, wrestling is uh, underrated from a pop culture standpoint. And I think yeah. you could, like, it, it's a lot bit. I mean, them and UFC just, you know, merged or, you know, UFC bought them, whatever, however you want to say it. But like a lot of people, follow wrestling and and in pop culture a lot of what wrestlers do is implemented in in the world i mean rick flair is what 900 years old and people are still <laughs> using him in music videos i mean it's just it's just crazy Listen. the rock is the biggest actor in the world some could say like it's yeah. it's, it's it's obnoxious Without a doubt. Um, I mean, I love it. I remember growing up the same thing. You know, kids would you know watch uh, watch wrestling. They would see uh, you know the Undertaker, and um, you know I remember uh, at that time it was like Stone Cold Steve Austin used to do the uh, Stone Cold Stunner. Mm-hmm. So of course every kid in school, you know, you walk up to him, you get <laughs> you get kicked in the stomach. And, it does not you know, feel off. good, Tim. I've had it done to me. I used to do it to people all the time, and then some kid did it to me once. It was not fun. I was not ready for that. Mm. Wrestling's <laughs> real. That's why they say don't try this at home at the beginning of everything. <laughs> well, they didn't used to have that banner. That when, when did they add that banner? Did they start of uh, the program? Actually, I don't even know that they have it anymore. But they did at one point do it uh, because I think a lot of kids were just jumping off of like I think probably it started when people were like jumping off crazy stuff, like jumping off of ladders, yeah. um, j- jumping off of ro- their roofs mm. onto like some. Uh, you know, uh, the, the chair in their garage. Bill's Mafia in training. You're thinking of backyard wrestling and it was back, backyard wrestling, don't try this at home. That was the uh, that was the video game. And then they also had, like, I remember that was that point in time where, like, yeah, everybody was, like, um, doing backyard wrestling. Like, you know, um, you would pull out, you know, they'd have, like, tables and one person would sit on the table and you'd jump off of a chair and try to like, you put the person through the table. Um, but I remember yeah, that it was. I can't feel good. Yeah, not good at all. I would imagine. But um, but yeah, that was I, it. Was part of the culture. Uh, it was yeah. It's America's soap opera, right? Like, uh, beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, Howard, are you going to stay in Virginia for a while? Or are you uh, looking to? Is New York pulling you back? Uh, what's what's in store for your future? Oh, uh, I'll. I'll I'd like to think I'd be here for a while. I've been in New York for quite some time, and I think I need a break. Um, it's a great place, but it is it is hustle and bustle every single day. Um, and it's also we were kind of having a conversation last night about how, like, uh, you know, a place like New York, you're surrounded by excellent people. Everyone here has to be excellent. They have to be good at what they do because there's so many people doing what you do. And then 
you come to a place that's a little bit slower and uh, you have to be moving a little bit faster. And that's why it's like, because it came from somewhere else that was a little bit more. Uh, so, so yeah, I'd probably stay in Virginia for a little bit. I mean, I also just feel like, uh, like Norfolk has been really good. Um, for me, it's been good for like, uh, for my company. It's, uh, you know, this, this community, this, like, there's so much happening here. There's so much ambition here, so much talent here. Um, so like, I'd rather, you know, be somewhere where I could help cultivate talent and be a part of that way. Um, than just be, you know, another drop of water, I guess, in the ocean, right? Yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, it's it's interesting. Do you want to be the big fish in a small pond, or do you want to be go to the the deep waters where you can? Uh, it's opportunity is there, but you are still a people don't the small fish don't realize that they're a small fish in that big big pond. But it's just that that hope and dream that they could become something. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. So I love it when we see people like you that come here and, they, and you realize that uh, in a smaller market, you could be a bigger fish in that small pond. But what other people don't realize that when they're like, oh, this place sucks, I'm moving to uh, Austin or I'm going to someplace else uh, because there's more money available. It's like, yeah, yeah, that, that could be the case. But if you can't make it work here where the, the waters are smaller, the likelihood of you being able to to do something where the competition is that much more it is just so steep uh yeah what about the adoption? Yeah, sure. what about the adoption aspect of that that you could say that this area doesn't adopt some of the things that are there where other places would which is why they would go to a different place right i mean i th that like, yeah i i do think that this area I, is we're not really yeah right we're slow. right and so to me that is and i say access to that right that's like um I remember 2017, I was interviewing Gary Warren. He was um, from Ivy Watch. He'd started that. And um, I don't know if he wants me to say this. I don't remember if this was like off the record or whatever. If it is, I apologize, Mr. Gary Warren. But he said something like, I had to go to Minneapolis to get this thing to get to, to get access into the metal, medical centers, even though we have, you know, X, Y, and Z medical centers here. They just wouldn't open the doors. But here, a bigger city in Minneapolis, I was able to do that. I, I get everything that both of you are saying, but I think the access piece to this area is a big reason why someone would move to go somewhere else where you can get that opportunity to actually have that tech do what you want it to, where we're a little slow. Here. I do think that that's changing. I do think that that, that, no that, doubt. that, that is changing. But if you go to an area where you know you're not going to have that challenge, it's a, it can be a lot stronger. And I, I would think that that's why someone would yeah. Go I, I would even go as far as that. I would say that I think that that has changed. I think that there's enough new there's there's been a new new enough new blood injected into the system that uh, that that log jam is freed up in a lot of different uh, a lot of different verticals. And it will continue. Good. Yeah. Sure. That's just my take. Is, is, is that you are you uh, in terms of doors opening for you and you talking to people the uh, people have been pretty receptive about fun first oh yeah for sure i mean you know anyone who works in education technology would tell you like you know working with schools is, is a, it's a slow and steady right? um just because like you said there are a lot of uh they, they're not quick to make changes especially if they feel like they already have a recipe but um it's always open people do like it people do appreciate the concept um not everybody is going to give it a try though 
But in terms of getting like, you know, those early adopters, uh, the ones that eventually influence other schools to give to try, every ed tech company has probably gone through that. Um, so you have to find your place. And I would say that uh, one thing I appreciate about a place like Norfolk, Virginia Beach, or just the Hampton Roads uh, area in general, is that you know, like you can you can you can meet that one person, right? Like I talked about this yesterday. Like you go into an event where I'm, you know, where I'm from, you go to an event and you'll swear everyone you need to know is in that room, but it's like you don't realize that this room exists like ten thousand times tonight in this city alone, right? So you're like, which one am I supposed to be in to meet that person? And I feel like. Places like uh, like like Norfolk, for instance, you could be here at assembly and uh, you come to an event and you can meet everyone you should know for this this area. So uh, I do like the idea of being able to be in a place where you're more likely to come across people who are going to say yes and be the early adopters. Uh, so I I like it here. I, I really do I agree. Like with, that. I agree with that. I agree with that aspect totally. What's something about Norfolk that is? Um, well, what? Uh, you want to ask it? I mean, that's the that's no, question. Is that where you're going? Is that yeah. where you're going? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go. All right. So, you know, New York is probably known for the dollar slice of pizza. I don't know. Probably some other things, too. I can't. Great bakeries. Uh, a bunch of stuff like bagels. that. Cat's Deli. Get Cat's Deli. Bagels. Yes. Uh, what is Norfolk or the greater region? Uh, what's the, the food that you think is this place? Um. So I couldn't say food-wise. Uh because, like, yeah, I did definitely come down here looking for pizza. I've still been searching for good pizza. Um, and I've tried a lot of places since I've been here. Pizza's kind of my thing. One thing I say about, uh, that I appreciate about, like, like just the, you know, um, Hampton Rolls, but Norfolk is, is the brewery. Um, like, I didn't, I, you know, I, there's beer culture here. And I never, it, it, that I, is I, on I, point. Yeah, like, it's, there's beers. Like, I have a favorite brewery. That's not a thing I think I'd be saying in New York, but like, that's very much so the case here. It's, uh, what is it? It comes from uh, O'Connor's. I'm yeah. sorry, Three Notches. Ooh, I'm sorry, O'Connor's. Three Notches, Three Notches Brewery uh, out in uh, Town Center. Um, I like their beer. They, they make some really good beer, summertime beers. Just, and when I think of like what it is to be here, like in the summertime and, and heading out to, uh, to the beach and like, you know, bringing your little, like, you know, your little uh, pack of, uh, of um, drinks to bring out to the beach. Uh, I, and I think about like uh, Green Notches beer and I'm like, yeah, it's Virginia. Yeah. Uh, I guess Are they based here? Yeah, I, I think so. I want to say so. Don't get me lying though. Yeah, I mean, we they're, took a- They're in the uh, Gordon Beers, they're in the Gordon Beers, um, the old Gordon Beers town center location. Is that what's there? I think so. They're in town center. Um, yeah, I don't know what was there before though. Yeah, I know that we took a trip to uh, Asheville, my wife and I, because that's supposed to, that was like ranked number one or number two for craft breweries, and uh, everyone always raved about it. But when we got down there, uh, we were like, gosh, man, this area, we like Hampton Roads a lot better than we liked Asheville. Um, they didn't have bands playing. I mean, like, you can you can just chill for a, a full day um, and enjoy yourself around. We are We are super fortunate, and... I'll, I'll I'll converse on Twitter with some folks and and they're like, gosh, you guys have the best breweries. We love going down to this area. It's the water, just for the breweries, maybe so. That's what a lot of people say. A lot of people say that the water that they use is the reason why the breweries are the, the they produce good water, or they produce good beer. Which is back to the thing. If you think about it, you know the military tourism ports, beer, all water, beer. all water based. 
A lot of work. The Asheville thing is interesting. What I would say from that is um, I've never been to Asheville, but cheerleaders. They have a lot of cheerleaders. Something this area has never really had. Cheerleaders. Yeah. And so we that's, uh, that's a yeah. that's a thing that's important. We travel quite I mean, we travel fairly often, but every time we go, we look and uh, we'll get on whatever the uh, social media uh, app is where you can track all your beers. Um, untapped. Untapped. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It's always it's on point here. Hmm. Maybe the oh, answer is beer. Maybe that's our new. Maybe it's not the Mexican white sauce. It is beer. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I like that answer. Is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about, Howard? Uh, trying to think what else we got going on. Um, I would say uh, I, I know. So one of the things I've been doing now, I've been doing some um, some mentorship with uh, with B Force, is another accelerator out here. Uh, and I do. I mean, you talked about accessibility, uh, and and I do like the idea of working with small businesses uh, just because there's some really, really talented people out here that have like great ideas. Um, and they just, you know, the access to resources, like, you know, like, like Seven Five Star Studio, V-Force, um, like can be a really big deal for like the potential that's here in, 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 in uh, Hampton Roads area in terms of getting some of, some of these ideas to scale and then bring like, you know, revenue back to the places that they're from. So, um, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I know you guys have done tons of interviews with a number of different people. Like, how do you feel in terms of the support for small businesses here in, uh, in Hampton Roads? Yeah, I think, th I think that the one thing that this, the biggest thing that this area, uh, that we need to start working towards, I think that, uh, I think in, in, we need to set some, some really, what is it? A, a BHAG, a big audacious, hairy goal, uh, for this area. Um, like that. And, and I think that that's what's missing because right now everyone's work, working really, really hard at whatever that they are doing independently. But boy, when you put a goal in place, whether if it's a championship or whatever the case is, you, when everyone is working towards a common goal, I think that that's when really, really great things can happen. And I think that that's one of the things that we, that this area really needs to work for. Like, I mean, like for like, then what would we, that answer be? Like what, what, what would the goal be from an area? Like what, what's the, where do you I, see that? Yeah. I mean, like to me, if I was, uh, if I was King for a day, I, I would just, I would set just even something in the sense of like, Hey, let us within the next year, 10 years, we want to either, uh, we want to host like the round, the, the round of 32 for Mar March Madness or something, something to put us on the map. You know, wh wh whether if we have like a colonial bowl for uh, for college football, something that that we all can work towards. But like, well, the bowl, the bowl game could happen. The basketball doesn't because you don't have a big enough arena. So there's that answer. Well, but but, but the thing is, well, I don't know. But when I look at these, uh, I don't know, we, 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 we got to figure that out and, and like and then work towards that. So like if you look at like us just putting blindly in a proposal for HQ2 for Amazon, you know I mean? And then it goes, you know, we can do this, something like that all day, every day. And, and, but if we keep on submitting for this stuff and not looking at why, what, what is it that Arlington had that we did not have? We need to start fill for, you know, filling those gaps, but we've got to put, we've got to start working towards big, crazy goals. Um, 
That's what I would like to see. And then that would force all of us to join forces together to work towards those things. For sure. That's just, I see that. But how big of an arena do we need? I mean, it's just 20,000. What, what is, what is uh, eight? ODU is eight. Scope is eight. I don't know. I mean, something. Even if it was around us, you know, dude. Initial... I'm with, I'm I'm 100 with you on both of those things. I would be an attendee. I would go to all of those things. Um, Greensboro is a twenty thousand arena. Um, so yeah, would love would love that. You know, if we, if we ever got a professional sports team. I've said this many times. I'm putting my hat in as the as the play by play commentator on the you know yeah. like the because I think the we're in a, we're in a chicken and an egg thing. You know what's going to come first, more direct flights or uh, a reason to bring more uh, more direct flights to this area? But yeah, you know, but not doing anything is is not doing anything. Um, I'm with you. I, I'm going to think about that too. Stay tuned. I'll. Uh... I'll try and think of a couple of things that could be interesting um, and and achievable. So, yeah. Howard, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Continued success. And uh, keep us posted on everything. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate what you're doing for the kids. Thanks again.